There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Third and final hour of The Grill, broadcasting live from Barasti. Do keep your thoughts coming into us, 4001. Uh, drama in the football, let's get an update. Uh, Rob's got the latest. Yeah, firstly, in the uh, Bristol City v Middlesbrough game, we've had a, a second goal for Middlesbrough. Brit, Brit Asambalonga has scored. He's uh, broken to the box on the right-hand side, used his left foot to strike it across the keeper. Great goal into the, into the bottom corner, so that makes it Bristol City 1, Middlesbrough 2. Um, and then in the United-Southampton game, it remains 1-1, but we've had a sending off for Southampton. Uh, Kevin Davso has got his second yellow card, uh, made a, a pretty uh, terrible challenge on uh, McTominay, halfway inside his own half really, with under no pressure, no danger, so poor challenge, got his second yellow card, Southampton down to 10 men, um, and United very much on top now, they've moved Pogba further forward, who's having a, a great influence uh, on the game, and uh, brought Jessica Lingard on as well, so... It's 77 minutes, it's Southampton 1, United 1, and uh, United have got every opportunity to win this game now. Georgia taking Scotland in a Rugby World Cup warm-up. That one's off at 8 o'clock before that. And whilst we're still on air, Wales will entertain Ireland uh, down there in Cardiff. Uh, that one gets underway around about 25 minutes' time. Um, we are just a matter of weeks away. T 20th of September sees the start of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, World Rugby will, of course, be officiating in more ways than one. And the World Cup is just one way of spreading the word of rugby around the globe. But... Question, how does World Rugby fund rugby around the world? World Rugby is committed to the global advancement of rugby and its character-building values to develop a better, stronger game for all. In Japan this year, the world's top 20 men's national teams will play in 48 matches hosted across 12 match cities for the right to lift the iconic Webb Ellis Cup. The World Cup is the sport's financial engine, generating approximately 90% of World Rugby's revenues for reinvestment in the global game over the four-year cycle. Driven by the commercial success of Rugby World Cup, World Rugby is investing £482 million at all levels of the game between 2016 and 2019, eclipsing the previous four-year cycle by 38% to ensure strong and sustainable growth and inspire the world to get into rugby. The global rugby community comprises of 9.6 million participants, including 2.7 million women, and 338 million fans across 124 national member unions. Japan 2019 will be the first Rugby World Cup in Asia, the world's most populous and youthful continent. The Rugby World Cup Impact Beyond Legacy programme has already achieved its ambitious target of 1 million new rugby participants across Asia. Rugby builds character. A game for all the world. 
4001 if you want to get your thoughts in. Are you off to the Rugby World Cup? Are you all sorted? Are you excited? Let's get the thoughts of a few of the decision makers uh, on this year's World Cup. What can they expect? We're going to be hearing from Augustin Piaget, uh, the deputy uh, chair, or the deputy managing director of World Rugby. Brett Gosper is also going to share his thoughts and Steve Chu as well. They're looking forward to it. A fun World Cup on and off the field. I think uh, we're going to a, to a great country, a different country for, for most of us, exciting country, Asia for the first time. I think uh, what happens on the field uh, is going to be great, but what happens off the field will be great as well. So um, I think we expect a great rugby uh, played World Cup, but to people to enjoy it as well. Japan is a very gracious country of hosts and the Japanese pride themselves on being hosts and they are very passionate about everything they do but they'll want people to feel good about being there they'll want to show people all about their culture their food uh, their customs and so on so I think it's a real it's gonna be a real discovery for the traditional rugby fan and of course the Japanese will be discovering the large traveling fan public which is also interesting I think first of all uh, what Steve's saying that you're in that, that's the moment that you want to shine I think that's that's where you want to uh, you want to really really show the world that that that, that you're the best team, uh, and and you've been preparing every single moment since the last World Cup, or if you're new to a first World Cup, every single training session, every single way you've eaten, every single way you rested, is just on just on perspective towards that moment in time. So I think it's 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 the most important. Uh, opportunity you have to show something really special in the best stage of the world. It's going back to 2011, the day uh, before the opening ceremony, we went down, my wife and I went for a walk, and I was still unsure how the country was going to deal with this opportunity, and we went down to uh, the waterfront in Auckland, and there were half a million people on the waterfront, it was just crazy, and I knew right then that we were going to host a successful tournament, so those two moments are pretty special then. I guess the good thing about upsets is you don't know where they're going to come from, <laughs> no one saw the Japanese upset coming, except maybe Japan, Eddie Jones, but um, I don't think I'm not even sure they <laughs> So it'd be great if it was unexpected, but there are certainly some teams that could, I think Japan could provide more upsets at this World Cup, although there is more expectation there than there has been. Certainly Fiji also could provide some upsets. Um, so look, they, they could come from a number of different places. Uh, talking of upsets, uh, haven't been many in the warm-ups, that's for sure, Mark Arch. Uh, home wins for everyone. More home wins expected this afternoon? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Big match taking place in about 20 minutes' time in Cardiff. Wales, of course, Warren Gatland's team. It's the final match that Warren Gatland will coach for Wales in Wales. So it's a pretty emotional day. And, of course, Wales now ranked number one in the world. Get that, Tom. Number one in the world, Wales. Where did they come from? Uh, many people are asking. They're taking on Ireland and of course Joe Smith under a bit of pressure because a big win by England uh, last weekend. They put 50 points on Ireland. Ireland one of the most consistent teams over recent years. Ireland struggling to re replicate that form as we get towards the Rugby World Cup. So massive match happening. 5.30 it kicks off in Cardiff. Wales will be hosting Ireland. That will be a bellwether game for those two teams' form now going into the Rugby World Cup. Later tonight, it's uh, Scotland and Gregor Townsend's team travelling all the way to Georgia to take on the Georgians at 8pm. Georgia, one of the up-and-coming uh, teams in world rugby. Always the big story about can they get into the Six Nations? Can they find a way of playing against the European heavy heavyweights? Well, let's see where they are in their progress in the match.
match against Scotland tonight. Result last night in one of the warm-up matches. This was in, this was in uh, Stade de France. Uh, France comfortably defeated Italy, 47 points to 19. And I think it's fair to say France are finding a little bit of form just going into this Rugby World Cup. So Warren Gatland, massive day for him. And here's the other swing in the other roundabout today. Ireland will replace Wales as the world's top-ranked team if they win by 50 points. Now tell me that, that how that comes together. So we had Ireland beaten by 50 points last weekend. If they beat Wales, and, and these have been friendly matches, that's right, the, the serious matches, the trial matches, but look, the, the rugby friendlies. So if Wales, if Ireland win today by 15 points, they become the number one team in the world. So I, I'm not quite sure how the world rankings uh, work exactly. They're, they're baffling me um, as a New Zealander. Wales haven't beat New Zealand since 1953, yet they're ahead of them in the world rankings. So, Go figure that one out. Um, but Warren Gatland, a very emotional day for him. He's addressed the players for the last time in Wales. He'll be at home. This is what he had to say about the players taking the last opportunity to get on the plane to Japan. Warren, with your selection, what are you hoping to know by the end of Saturday evening that you don't know now? Oh, probably a heck of a lot. There's a number of positions that are still up for grabs. Um, front row, second row, back row still. So uh, back three. Uh, the 10 position as well. Um, so the players are pretty well aware of how important this game is and the opportunity that they get to put their hands up for, for selection on Sunday. Two new caps, Owen Lane and Reese Carey. Tell us about their uh, qualities. Yeah, they've, uh, I think it was a bit of a shock to them when they first came in in terms of um, how hard it was and how hard we've trained, but they've, they've fitted in well. Um, I think Reese has lost about 10 kilograms since he's been with us, and, and Owen Lane's has continued to to improve it and and, um, and impress as well. So um, yeah, both of them have fitted in well, and uh, and hopefully they make the most of the opportunity. And personally, your last game in the home yeah. dressing room. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it'll be quite quite emotional. I've had a, an unbelievable time here in Wales, and, and the, you know the people I think have made my time incredibly um, special, but. I'm trying to keep in perspective that, yes, it's um, something that I'll be thinking about at the time, but it's not about me. It's it's there are you know there are 31 players get selected on Sunday, and I've got to you know make sure that performance on Saturday, and then the job of picking the squad is incredibly important. So there's no way that I want to overshadow um, what is probably more important for for those individuals than me 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 having my last game in the stadium so um you know i just have a personal reflection and, and reflect back on how memorable that's been without making a big fuss about it that's warren gatland uh, talking about the final match that he'll be in charge of uh, wales as they take on ireland in this world cup warm-up match starting at 5 30. it's going to be many people are saying it's going to be the most open world cup for many years plenty of teams in the mix tom whether it be the two times winners, the All Blacks. We've seen the Springboks come back into form. We've seen Wales, Ireland and England all press claims from the Northern Hemisphere. Brian Habana, former winner of the World Cup, had this to say about his predictions for the uh, 2019 Rugby World Cup. World Cup 2019, it is probably the tightest Rugby World Cup that we've ever had to call. Because if you look at the top six teams in World Rugby at the moment, uh, you've had Wales, who've just taken over New Zealand as the number one ranked side in the world, you know, after a 10-year period, which is absolutely phenomenal. You know, New Zealand, back-to-back -back World Cup winners, going into this competition as reigning champions. In South Africa, their rugby championship form has been incredible and really promising from a South African perspective. And then you have Australia, you know, who two weeks ago showed exactly what they're capable of. So Ireland, you know, beat New Zealand twice in the last 24 months. So it really is just such an open World Cup. And I think, you know, who's ever at their best for that eight-week period, 
winning games against the best teams in the world, we'll need to go on to win it. You know, I'll be packing in my South African jersey, you know, hoping that Sia Khaleesi and the boys can go out and do something incredibly special. But given how the current status of world rugby is, I might actually put more money into cryptocurrency because that's probably a little easier bet at the moment. So Brian Habana is struggling to work out who will be the winner of the 2019 World Cup. Justin Marshall, former player uh, for New the All Blacks, well, he, these are his thoughts on how the teams are progressing as we head only 19 days away from that Rugby World Cup in Tokyo. So New Zealand going into Rugby World Cup 2019 not being the number one ranked team uh, is unusual. Uh, recent Rugby World Cups, they've pretty much gone in as uh, favourites and had that mantra of being the best team in the world. Well, Wales have got that now. I don't think it'll be catastrophic for, the, for New Zealand. I think they're more than capable of going into Japan and maybe having a little bit of pressure off them and performing. Uh, you know, when you go in there as a number one team, people are looking at you. So going in there and having a little bit of that pressure off will do them a world of good. It doesn't hurt New Zealanders that uh, Wales have, have gone to no, number one in the world. I think they deserve it. They've been the most consistent side in recent years. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they accolade, I think, um, is testament to how, how good they've been. So a little bit of slight pressure off for New Zealand well, it might not be harmful. So Brian Habana can't pick a winner, Justin Marshall struggling to pick a winner. One man that's recently retired from the international game, but now he's actually talking, we talked to UFC earlier, James Haskell taking up mixed martial arts. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Oh, it's a Bellator, isn't it? Get yeah. a ticket to that. But James Haskell has been really impressed with the England preparations. He reckons Eddie Jones has got the team as good as they've ever been, as fit as they've ever been, and they're going to go into the World Cup in a lot of form, a lot of confidence. This is what James Haskell had to say about Eddie Jones as England. Everybody knows I'm a big fan of, of Eddie and what he does. I think he, he courts controversy, I think, um, happily at times. For, for me, you know, this team's the best prepared it's ever been. I, I was, when I walked into the camp during these World Cup periods, and I've had experience of a couple of them, sometimes coaches can overthink, pressure can get to them, they start doing stuff they didn't normally do, they can start working the guys into the ground. Under Eddie, everything seems calculated and really well thought out. Mm. So, you know, when I went in there, the boys were unbelievably upbeat, looked incredible. You know, I think Manu Tuolangi is probably the best shape I've ever seen him. And that's why he got married in the match on the weekend. He's looking incredible. The young back row players are looking brilliant. So for me, it was really nice. I mean, the best bit was they gave me a, a red coach's polo shirt which was like poacher turned gamekeeper. They, the lads couldn't get their head around that someone like me, I, I was making them call me coach as well. So it was, <laughs> a, it was abuse of power, but I loved, I loved being involved. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Roy McIlroy was, uh, in fact, let's just, uh, we talk, before we do the golf, let's just go turn our attention to the football because uh, they're still playing in both the games uh, underway at the moment. There's been goals aplenty. Yeah, both games are actually tied as we head into the 93rd minute in the Southampton United game. So it's Southampton 1, Man United 1. Southampton had a player sent off um, um, halfway through the second half and Till after that, it's been all United. So much pressure, so much dominance, and they've had they've had shots galore. Crosses have come in, but they just haven't been able to find a finish. And to be honest, they haven't really actually created a clear-cut chance. We've had two great strikes: one from Ashley Young, one from Mason Greenwood, which have have gone close. A number, Daniel James is causing all sorts of havoc down the left-hand side in terms of uh, crosses in, but they haven't been able to to turn that into a goal. So it's one-one. We're in the 93rd minute, um, probably another couple of minutes to play, see if United can sneak one. Keep an eye on that one, uh, and of course, uh, the game in the Championship as well. There's been plenty of goals there. Yep, two all again in that game as well. So we've had, um, again, into the last few minutes of, of this game, um, Bristol City went 1-0 up uh, early in the first half. Borough pulled two goals back, and then um, Bristol City have, have equalised again towards the back end of the game, and we're into the last few minutes, and... Uh, 
We've, uh, we might see a, a goal here. We've got um, Borough pushing forwards right towards the end. Keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, and if there are any developments in either of these games, we will let you know. What's happening in the golf, Mark Archer? We haven't had a leaderboard update. No, it's the European Tour. The uh, the, P the PGA Tour kind of wrapped up last week uh, with the, the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup was decided. We'll talk about that shortly. But it's uh, headed to Switzerland this week for the very beautiful uh, Kranz Suria Golf Club at Kranz Montana. And it's the, of course, the Omega European Masters. Round three underway at the moment. And the man that made a lot of money last week, Tom, Rory McIlroy, yeah. $15 million he earned with winning the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup title. Well, he's back at it this week in Switzerland. He's obviously got on his private jet. He's flown over to Switzerland because he's putting in another good performance this week. He's tied for the lead after 13 holes of his third round. He's 13 under par uh, today, three under par for his round uh, today. And he's had rounds of 67 and shot a very low round of 63 yesterday for the world number two. Rory McIlroy trying to get back to world number one. If he can have victory this week, gives him an opportunity to do that. But he's tied for the lead with the Aussie, Wade Ormsby, also at uh, 13 under par. But Rory McIlroy was uh, speaking earlier in the week to the media about trying to get to world number one. He was also talking about his victory last week in the Tour Championship. And he was talking about that he thinks he's had a pretty good year despite not winning a major and all the pressures and uh, the media attentions on him not winning a major tournament he th seems to think he's had a pretty good year in 2019 it's been a great year i mean I, I look at you know all aspects of my game and you know i've sort of been big on the stats the last couple of years and you know i've you know i've i drove the ball better than anyone in the world my arm play improved my short game improved and my putting improved you know so i'm getting I'm getting better as a golfer, and I think that's all you can. That's all you can try to do. And um, you know, some weeks you're you're going to play better than others. And um, you know, I, I played better on weeks that you know, players was a big one. Tour championship was a big win. Um, you know, I played really probably the best golf of the year at the Canadian Open, which is the week before mm. the U.S. Open, which is a major. And and you know, people will look at my year and be like, well, why didn't he play better at those? But you know, I. You know, I don't know if I can, you know, maybe preparation or a little bit different mindset going into them. But, um, you know, if I feel like if I just keep playing the way I am and just keep doing the things that I'm doing, you know, sooner or later I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get another one of those and, and hopefully all this noise will go away. A full time down at Southampton on the south coast, Rob. Yep, game finished 2-2. Um, a really good game of football, actually, between uh, two fairly evenly matched teams. United had... Uh, I say a, a real spell last 10, 15 minutes when they were playing Southampton, who were down to 10 men. Southampton managed to delight at the end, running onto the pitch, really celebrating. I suppose so because won the Champions League by his reaction. Well, I suppose being a ten, being 10 man down, holding on, he's he, yeah, he's going to be pleased with that. Um, so yeah, one, two two. Uh, sorry, excuse me, one all. Um, good game of football, and um, and I suppose still ask, ask questions of Solskjaer. Couldn't quite break them down again. Um, but it wasn't without trying, certainly, and he made some certain, made, certainly made some attacking substitutions as well, bringing Lingard on, bringing Mason Greenwood on. So, uh, so let's see what the feedback is on Solskjaer over the coming days. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, let's just go back to uh, Rory McIlroy. He's had a good week, hasn't he? That's for sure. He's uh, 
he's, he's finished the season well, Mark Archer. Yeah, and he's putting in another back-to-back -back performance. So it's uh, all over to the uh, Omega European Masters. Round three, as I was saying earlier, he's played 13 holes today. He's three under for his round, and he's 13 under for, for the championship. He's tied to the lead with Wade Ormsby, um, and he's got a chance to add to that uh, that big, big bag, ba bank balance and obviously trying to get some more race to Dubai points up on the European Tour. So massive week for Roy McIlroy. Payday last weekend was worth $15 million. He won the Tour Championship and also the FedEx Cup title. So he's had a wonderful year, uh, Tom. And uh, good to see him finding some consistency. The big question surrounds him, can he go on and win a fifth major? He's been stuck since 2014. He's been five years now, a long time, since uh, a man of his talent. He's almost now, I think, 30 years old. He really needs to kick on and start uh, really winning some, some major tournaments. So that won't uh, get underway until the Masters all the way in next April. So the season's been compressed. Um, but let's see how, how, he, how he goes at in, in, in the final sort of few months of the season. Middle Saturday at the US Tennis Championships, the US Open. It's a big game to look forward to uh, on the Arthur Ashe Stadium a little later on. Action gets underway uh, there. Eight o'clock local time here in the UAE. Caroline Wozniacki taking on the Canadian Andrescu in the round of 32 in the women's singles draw. Uh, and Rafa Nadal will be next on court there. He takes on Hyung Chung uh, of Korea in that game. Uh, also playing later on, uh, you got Tounders, Julia Georges is going to go be uh, in action against Kiki Bertens. Um, plenty of action to look forward to, plenty of action we've been enjoying over the course of the last few days. In fact, first week comes to a conclusion. Is it moving Saturday? Ever moving Saturday down to the tennis, do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's taken a little while to get into this one, I think, Tom. It's just, I'm not sure why. I, I think we haven't seen uh, too many big, big name upsets yet. There's been a few. Uh, more again, again, a few players. I saw. Um, oh, there's a ladies player got knocked out yesterday. Uh, big left hander serves. She got beaten. <laughs> Petra. Kat yeah, Petra Kvitova got beaten. That was that was probably one of the biggest upsets so far on the ladies side of it. But the men's side seems to be progressing as per norm. I guess we're going to get into the second week of the tournament and see some of the big players go head to head. The, the likes. Roger Federer had a pretty straightforward win yesterday. I think he beat the Englishman Dan Evans. I think I think. Haven't been any big shocks, have they? No, really, no, no man. real big shots yet. And then we'll see what happens. To, what tends to happen the second week of in New York at Flushing Meadow is the weather. It gets very hot. The crowds flock in. It's it's a, it's a big pressure call in there um, in Queens. So let's wait and see what happens week two of the US Open. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on uh, one, uh, obviously one thing we can guarantee is a very vocal crowd and a very patriotic crowd as well. They love getting behind their hopefuls. And they've got they've got no shortage of potential uh, stars uh, in the draw at the moment still. None more so in the women's draw. And no big surprise that one of the uh, players that have obviously taken the world of tennis by storm in recent times, Coco Goff, has been welcomed with open open arms by their very vocal crowd. In fact, um, the stadium chants have been come, have, uh, come to be something uh, of a talking point in the first week, and uh, she's very enjoyed the experience thus far. Congratulations. Thank you. So what did you think of uh, round two? Oh, it was great. I thought that the first set, um, I definitely was in control, and the second set, she raised her level, and I wasn't able to <laughs> finish the set. But she played amazing, and I thought I played well too, and it was a great match. Just in terms of the atmosphere and the change and everything, has this gotten to be a new normal for you, or is this still wild? Um, for me, it's still wild. You know, this is the first time, like some, well, not first. The first round was the first time I actually had a chant, but today it was a lot louder and a lot more consistent. 
And um, I was literally thinking, like, um, maybe I feel like I'm Golden State in Game 7 or something. <laughs> like, it's different because, like, you're an individual player, and so it's weird, I guess, because most of the time when you hear the chants, it's for, like, a whole team, not just for, like, me. So it was pretty cool. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Look, look at what's been happening in the world of sport. Well, one thing that is ongoing at the moment is, of course, qualifying for the Grand Prix. We just had a kick-off in the uh, Wales against Ireland rugby game as well. But qualifying over for the Belgian Grand Prix tomorrow. Let's get the latest, Mark Archer. Yeah, Q1 just underway. And the big question, Mark, was could Mercedes fix Lewis Hamilton's car in time for qualifying after he had a heavy crash? in practice three. They have done that. I have confirmed that they've uh, changed tyres quicker than the local uh, local Adnock station and he is back out and uh, he is racing. So I can tell you that Q1 underway and it's the Ferraris that were the quickest in practice are also proving to be the quickest in Q1. Charles Leclerc, he's had a great weekend so far. He's posted the first, the, bit, the fastest time. Sebastian Vettel has also put the second fastest time together. Max Verstappen and his Red Bull, he's, he's coming well currently under third place under Q1. Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton with the two Mercedes filling out fourth and fifth. So good news if you're a Mercedes fan, Lewis Hamilton is out in qualifying, but it's the Ferraris that are dominating so far in qualifying one. What else has been going on in the world of football? We'll look ahead to the six o'clock kickoffs in just a few moments' time, but some big talkers uh, throughout the week. Uh, we had the announcement that a certain Virgil van Dijk has been named the uh, Player of the Year uh, after, for a last season at a star-studded event. Um, here's uh, Virgil straight after the event, and you might recognise the person asking the questions. Well, Virgil, it looked a lot of fun up there on stage with Ronaldo and Messi. Congratulations on winning two awards today. How does it feel to be recognised for those performances last season? Very proud. First of all, obviously, I think uh, everyone, you know, they helped me along the way. My teammates, the staff, the family, everyone should be proud as well. And uh, without any, any of them, I, I wouldn't obviously be here. It's a bit of a cliche maybe, but it is really. We had a fantastic season last year. And obviously for me to get rewarded for it, then, you know, it's, I'm very extremely proud. I guess the question is now, how do you surpass what happened last season? How do you improve on this as a group this season? Well, last, season, last year is last year. We all, wanna, we all set new goals. We all want to go for it again. Uh, in our competition, we, 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 you know, we're playing it because we have the domestic cups, we have the World Cup of teams, we have the Champions League, we have the, uh, obviously the Premier League. So... You know, we, we just go for it and we take it game by game. It's going to be very hard, but, you know, with the the drive we have as a team, with the players we have as a, uh, in the team, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. And what are your thoughts on the group paired with Napoli once again? I mean, it was such a match, wasn't it? Both times that you played it and it came down to that Becker save eventually to stay in the tournament. Yeah, Ali helped us a little bit there. So, uh, no, yeah, it's, Napoli is a fantastic team. Difficult team to play against. Um, the clear plan, fantastic manager. Difficult place to go as well. But if you look at Salzburg as well and, and, and Henk, you know, it's going to be tough. But, you know, we, we have to believe in ourselves. We're going to prepare for each game well and hopefully we get the points and um, go, go through to the next round. And Istanbul for the final. It's a special place for Liverpool fans. Is that a good omen? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's far away still, so we don't need to think about it too much. But if we manage to reach it, obviously it's a special place to go to. And... Uh, but what I say, it's far, too far away. 
Champions League group uh, draw and of course the Europa Cup draw midweek as well threw up a, uh, a few big names uh, into different groups uh, a lot of chat for the likes uh, a lot of the British teams spare a thought though for Slavia Prague okay and the game that the, the, the group that they got drawn in uh, midweek have a little listen to this Wesley please uh, give us another team of this spot Slavia Prague there's a time of Slavia Praha Slavia can go into the five open groups, uh, A, B, E, F, and H for Slavia, coming also from the playoffs. They played yesterday against Cluj, second time in the group stage for uh, Slavia Prague after 2007 and 2008. Special meaning also for Petr being from... Czech Republic as well, drawing out the group. Slavia Praha to the group F. Group F for Slavia Praha. It's quite a challenging group, actually, for this uh, Czech team. Barcelona, Borussia, Dortmund, Inter, and uh, Slavia Praha. Uh, uh, did you see the, there's a video clip of the reaction of the representative from Slavia Praha? Just absolutely creasing themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, just chuckling at what they're what they've Could got, not what make they've got it up, Yeah, you? exactly an experience that's for sure and uh, listen we've got lots of games to look forward to at six o'clock uh, let's get some team news over to you uh, West Ham name an unchanged side from their win against Watford seven days ago ago uh, Jack Wilshire is absent from the bench again there so we've got the start first game of the season it's been a little bit absent ever since so West Ham lining up against Norwich who've been impressive since the start of the season they have yeah I mean the, the results maybe haven't gone quite as they would have wanted they they obviously got beat by Liverpool on the open day 4-1. They had a, a good win against Newcastle and then had the uh, a good battle with Chelsea last week. But yeah, they've, I think they've started the Premier League well in terms of the way they've played. They've carried on from the Championship, the style they've played. They've committed themselves to that um, and said, this is how we're going to play. We're not going to change our change our game. And they've they've created chances. They've, they've, they look a little bit suspect at the back and that's maybe something where they need to need to consider and will it be interesting to see how, what the manager does as the as the season progresses and how they perform and whether they decide to to, to make themselves a bit more solid at the back as the as the season progresses and then in Mr Pukki they've got a man who's scoring goals at the moment and uh, he's looking lively and he's uh, they play to his strengths and uh, so yeah it's been a, a, a solid start to the season for Norwich I think I mean they mixed things up midweek didn't they 11 changes for their midweek Caribou yeah, Cup it shows their priorities doesn't it it and shows priorities but also shows the sort of strength and depth that all Premier League teams have to have these days don't they oh yeah without a doubt the length of the season the, the number of games they have to play and the, and, and yeah so undoubtedly they're the, the high, big squads and high value squads as well uh, just uh, well pushed into one change uh, Grant Hanley's picked up an injury so Christoph Zimmerman uh, comes in for Norwich but as you say that man Pukki uh, whose value has uh, skyrocketed in the last couple of weeks um, uh, not just uh, uh, personally, but also uh, on, on Fantasy League as well. Uh, he has, yeah. he's, he's, he's banging in the numbers, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, he will lead the line for Norwich. Uh, what else is coming up for you at six o'clock? Uh, let's have a look at what uh, Crystal Palace uh, have done. They're unchanged from the side that stunned Manchester United last weekend. Uh, that means that Joel Ward, Patrick Van Arnold and Jeffrey Schlupp have all recovered from Knox. Scott Dan uh, doesn't make the squad still out with that hand problem. Gary Cahill, who started his senior career at Aston Villa, makes his uh, home league debut for the Eagles, having turned in a man-of-the-match performance 
at Old Trafford. Crystal Palace lining up against Aston Villa. Yeah, Palace need to... They did very well at Old Trafford and uh, Hodgson set them up tactically really strongly. He brought Gary, Gary Cahill in for his experience, for his leadership in defence and they, they played with real defensive discipline and obviously got the two goals as well. I think now at home against Villa is going to be you know, a test for them the other way. How attacking is Hodgson prepared for them to be and, and unleash Zaha and, and, and Ayo up front and, and will that expose them at the, at the back? Because Villa have had a, a decent start to the season. Yeah. Obviously, they beat, they beat Everton um, and they they were a bit more direct in that game. And with Yotta and Villian up front, they can cause some problems for the for the Palace back four. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think the key thing is there, how, how attacking our Palace prepared to be um, will dictate what, what, what happens in that game. You bang on as well, Dean Smith, uh, naming a unchanged side from their 2-0 victory over Everton last Friday. A couple of milestones for some of those players. Tom Heaton uh, is playing in his 100th Premier League appearance uh, for the goalkeeper there. Um, and I think Heaton was included in the England squad midweeks, wasn't he? I think he got the call-up along with... Um, uh, Tyrone Mings. Who yeah, also Mings. Got yeah, Mings. I was going to say Mings definitely got a call up. He's had a strong start to the season, hasn't he? Um, so yeah, a good opportunity for him. Good opportunities all round there. So that is Palace against Villa. Uh, what about the other games? Uh, well, we've got Chelsea against Sheffield United. Uh, defender Fikayo Tomori uh, makes his first start for Chelsea this afternoon. His only other Premier League appearance was as a substitute against Leicester uh, back in 2016. He's in for Andreas Christensen, who drops to the bench uh, for Frank Lampard's Chelsea, who take on Sheffield United, who came in for a bit of criticism from their manager last week after the results. They did, yeah. He was, uh, he was emphasising how his yeah, hard work is the minimum standard they expected, and and quite rightly, really. And he's, and that's what I think United are renowned for all over the course of their their history, really. I suppose the Bramall Lane is a difficult ground to go to. It's what they expect, really hard work. Um, so they shouldn't be applauded for it. They, it's, it's what the minimum that that, that he sets. Um, it's going to be a difficult game for them, I think, at Chelsea. Chelsea, like I think, it's like a lot of the teams in the Premier League on four, four points now, having. One, one, drawn one, and lost one. I think it's about 10, 11 t teams on on four points. Um, Chelsea look very strong going forward. Um, you're good young players in Mountain and Abraham and Mount's obviously been called up to the England squad as well. Abraham got his first couple of goals um, for Chelsea last week, um, so we'll be full of confidence, I'm sure. Um, the only slight doubt I think with Chelsea is, is defensively, and he's obviously made a change, as you said, Tom. So if that can solidify them a little bit more, because they have looked a little bit exposed, particularly when they've been going forward, and United obviously caught, caught them out first game of the season and um, hit them on the break three times and Norwich got some success as well so let's see how Chelsea do defensively. Uh, one change for Sheffield United Oliver McBurney their record signing uh, £20 million signing from Swansea makes his first Premier League start in the only change for the Blades to the side that lost to Leicester last week. So let's look at some of these squads. We'll run through the other squads uh, for the other six o'clock kickoffs in just a few moments' time. In fact, Leicester, uh, team news just coming through to me now. Uh, fullback Ben Chilwell is in the 11 after sitting out the last three league and cup matches with a hip injury. No room in the starting lineup for midfielder Hamza Chowdhury, who was criticised by the Newcastle uh, manager Steve Bruce for a tackle on Matt Ritchie in the midweek league cup match. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi replaces him. Christian Fuchs, uh, Dennis Prayat and Iosi Perez uh, also dropped to the bench having started in the game against Sheffield United last week. Mark Albrighton, Albrighton and Harvey Barnes who scored a great goal against Blades in the lineup today. It's Leicester against Bournemouth. Be interesting to see how Bournemouth go. It will be and uh, I, I should say on Leicester as well they've coped well obviously with losing Maguire 
um, in the summer, the last minute of the summer as well. So they've they've done well defensively. They're unbeaten um, and had a good start to the season. They've got a really strong squad, I think, and they've got a very exciting squad, but well balanced squad, both defensively and in attack. They've got James Morrison, who had a wonderful game last weekend, and has also got called up to the England squad. Um, I would expect Leicester to be winning this. Um, Bournemouth are a team that, that are struggling with injuries at the moment. They've, had, they've got Lewis Cook out long-term. David Brooks, who had such a strong season last year, um, is also injured, as is Junior Stanislaus. They tend to be a little bit inconsistent over the course of the season, Bournemouth, and um, I think that might be the case again this year. Although they have signed some good young players, and in Harry Wilson on loan from Liverpool, he, he had a good start last Last week, he's got a great free kick um, and coming coming on in uh, as a substitute. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they go, but I think Leicester should be too, too strong for Bournemouth. Yeah, it isn't that man, Harry Wilson, who is the one change uh, for Bournemouth. He's coming in for Charlie Daniels. Uh, that's the only change from the 11 that started the three Wilhelm defeat by Man City last week. All those games off at six o'clock this evening. As I said, we'll have a look and profile the other two in just a few moments' time. Uh, two games to look forward to tomorrow in the Premier League. Everton against Wolves is the early kickoff. Uh, that one uh, is off at five o'clock, uh, but the one off at uh, 7.30 tomorrow evening. Much anticipation ahead of this one. It's Arsenal against Tottenham. It's a game that really does need little introduction because well, it's the North London derby. Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur walk out for the first North London derby of the season. Pochettino and Unai Emery know each other very well. Well, that is an amazing goal to give Tottenham the lead. Moved by Van der Vaart and played in for Gareth Bale. Silkily taken. Ericsson sweeps it in. And here it goes down on the near post. Modric deflected. Oh, it's hit the post. And Lennon. It's given away to Genus. This is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. So we're just going to wrap things up down here at Borasti. Plenty to look forward to, though, at 6 o'clock. Plenty to look forward to over the course of the weekend. Rugby is underway at the moment. Mark Archer's keeping an eye on that one for us. Yeah, it's uh, number one team in the world, Wales, taking on Ireland. It's three apiece in Cardiff. There's been about 15 minutes under play. Ireland hot on attack, and they're looking like they may score in the corner, and they are going to score in the corner. So they will extend the lead here. I think it's Jacob Stockdale who's gone over for the first Irish try. Ireland looking to bounce back after a thrashing by England last week. Of course, all the teams looking to find some form and players looking to book the final seats on those airplanes off to Tokyo. Rugby World Cup gets underway in about three weeks' time, Tom. 19 days to be exact. I got my tickets yesterday. I'll be there come the end of the tournament. But Ireland leading Wales. Eight points to three. Of course you will, of course you will. Uh, um, I mentioned uh, there is a sporting weekend. We've got the Belgian Grand Prix qualifying ongoing there at the moment. We'll let you know how that finishes up in the next few moments. We've also got the, the Grand Prix to look forward to tomorrow. As we do the London Derby, uh, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it, um, Rob? Because 
at the North London derby, Arsenal against Tottenham. They don't like each other. There's a bit of uh, antagon, you know, the, the, the sets of fans. Everyone looks forward to this game because it's always a game that usually delivers. But two teams that already quite early in the season have got a point to prove, really. They sure have, certainly Spurs. I mean, Spurs have had... Uh, What's going on there at the moment? Really disappointing start, haven't they? Especially after the high of last season with the with the Champions League. And then, yeah, they've, they've really struggled. And there's, they've actually only taken 15 points from the last 15 Premier League games that they've played. So back end of last season into this season. They've got some problems there. You look at the, the players that's going on. Ericsson, obviously, is he going to stay? Is he going to go with the European transfer window and, and clear some contract issues? As well as Vertonghen and Ven, as well as uh, held as well, not happy in terms of their contract situation. Pochettino has come out with all sorts of quotes over the summer about, you know, he, he sees himself as a head coach now, not a manager, not happen, happy with the transfer policy. And that's despite bringing in, you know, a, a, two or three very good players on significant money um, but they just haven't started the season well they just seem to be I, I, I don't know I suppose questions about the desire of the players the way that they're playing they weren't they weren't able to break down um, Newcastle at all last season they didn't uh, last week they just didn't have the ability to be able to do it um, and so yeah they, they've got some challenges there I think to overcome it's not plain sailing now, on the other hand, for Arsenal, they've they've had a good start. I think they've they, they've they've won the first couple of games, and then although they got beat by Liverpool last week, and I I appreciate there's been some I suppose feedback and pushback on Emery and his tactics of playing this diamond in midfield, but but you can see why he tried to do it. He was, he, if he was to go and play Liverpool and fight fire with fire, they would have got beat. Liverpool are a better team, so he tried to do something slightly different. Didn't quite work, and. Obviously, the two mistakes by Louise caused problems, but you know that front three of Arsenal, I think, will cause Spurs problems tomorrow. And uh, they're a good front three, and depending on how he plays them, he might play them, you know, one one or two of them wide, and if he plays all three together. But I think they've had a decent start, and um, I don't think they'll be as far behind the top four as certainly I originally thought they might be at the start of the season. Yeah, it's interesting, um, and especially with the, uh, the the question mark around uh, the future of Pochettino as well. There's, there's just there's something going on at Spurs at the moment now, whether it's a Daniel Levy-driven thing, whether Poch is getting the respect to himself. I know that he's committed himself, I think he's committed himself till Tuesday next week at least, because he yeah. said, I'll be here, I'll be in on Monday, I'll be in on Tuesday, and then after that, we're in a bit of a grey area there. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the, the, the old phrase of no smoke without fire. Something's afoot there at Spurs at the moment with the question mark over a couple of key players with the question mark over the spending policy of the club and with the question mark now over the manager. That is and it's quite quite strange really where you think where they were last season I said with the Champions, Champions League, League Mo and moving to the new stadium as well yeah. you know they had they had that to contend with and the way he he led the the team and the club through that because he played at Wembley for a for, for period, well, a long period of time, it was originally meant to be two, three games. It turned into sort of half, more than half the season, really. And he managed the club through that and to the success that he had with the Champions League. But he did say, if Tottenham, I remember him saying, if Tottenham end up winning the Champions League, it's probably my time to leave. Yeah. So he's always threatened it. He's always threatened, and it's always been there to say, I, I might leave if I, I don't get what I want. And he's probably, and he's clearly not quite getting what he wants. Um, and so there's some, clearly some friction there with Levy. I think he had, they had they had dinner at a restaurant this week to try and resolve it. And Pochettino had said, "I, I took a phone call so I didn't have to pay the bill." <laughs> 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 that old chestnut. Um, so yeah, that's. It, I think it's an interesting five, you know, five, six, seven, eight, eight games for Spurs to see because they haven't had the start they wanted. They're 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 miles behind Liverpool and Man City in terms of where they where they feel they should be. They're, they're clearly not close enough. So um, let's see what happens. Newcastle against Watford is one of the six o'clock. 
kickoffs this afternoon as well. Newcastle manager Steve Bruce has made two changes to the team that won at Spurs last Sunday. Jetro Willems and Christian Atsu both start, replacing uh, Matt Ritchie and Alain San Maximin, who are both out injured. For Watford's part, uh, Harvey Grecia uh, makes three changes to the side that lost at home to the Hammers last Saturday. Uh, Daryl Janmat, Christian Cabaselli, and Roberto Pereira all start as Delafu, uh, Etienne Capu, and uh, Jose Holobas all miss out on this occasion. Watford. Well, Watford need to sort things out, don't they? They had a terrible start, haven't they? Lost all three games and uh, just a shadow of the side they were last year that re they reached the FA Cup final and had a, a good season. Um, yeah, they, they need to do something because the managers there are going to be on pressure, if, yeah. under real, the real pressure if they, if, they, if they don't pick up anything today. On the other hand, Newcastle had a great result last week. Uh, the really, team really pulled together. Uh, seems like to be playing for each other. Uh, Paul Dumelt, centre of defence, had a cracking game and, and blocking left, right and centre. And it seems to be a real togetherness there with the Newcastle team under Steve Bruce. And it'd be interesting to see if that, that continues at at, at uh, St James's Park, where they, they won't be backs to the wall. You know, they were backs to the wall against against the Spurs side for significant periods of the time. They won't. They'll be expected to attack against Watford and break them down. And let's see if they've got that um, ability to gel moving forwards. Two teams. We, well, the two games we haven't talked about so far: Man City against Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, I'm not sure there are men. I know that Chris McCarty has got some great mates down in Brighton at the moment, and I know that he'll be willing some away points there but I just I'm not sure I think he might be the only person in the world at the moment that gives Brighton any chance at Man City today uh, they probably guarantee for their three points Burn uh, Liverpool got a tough one they're away to Burnley and the late kickoff but Mark Archer those two teams uh, I mean it seems like you look at the table already three weeks in the Premier League table there are two teams who are dominating at the top of it it's taking on a very bit of deja vu happening there yeah we are talking about it off here with Rob and we it seems as though you know you look at the pretenders you know in the, in the, in the top Top six, and I think Manchester United are going to be up and down all, all, all season. They're going to be inconsistent. We've seen an inconsistent start by Chelsea with the, with the young squad and the, and, the, and the transfer issues that they've had getting players in. They can't do it, so they've had to promote the youngsters. So you know they're going to be inconsistent all season. And then you look at look at you know Arsenal started okay, but you know we know that year in year out they kind of have their struggles also when when, when we get to the new year. And and head and tails above the rest are Liverpool and Manchester City. Now, can Liverpool reach the heights? that they did last year and playing you know, multiple competitions. They'll be the European champions, defending champions. They also have to play in the Club World Cup, which is uh, another chunk of the time. It's so busy for, for English clubs around that uh, December, January window. They're going to have to take sort of 10 days out of their schedule and, and fixtures are going to pile up. So the pressure will be on them. And Manchester City just going about their business as normal. No, no thrills, but they're, they're getting results and they're just tuning them out waiting for Champions League. So... It, it does seem to be a gap there between the big two teams, and I think you've got those three or four teams really battling, as we saw last season, for third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, I agree. I think those two, those two will be far and away um, pushing, pushing, pushing the league. The other thing with Liverpool, they've got, as you mentioned, Mark, they've got the Club World Cup, but they've also got those three players up front. Salah Firmino and, and, and Mane, who've now played, I think it is their third year of consecutive football. So they've you know, they played in the World Cup, they've then played a full Premier League season, they've then played in either the Copa America or the, the South African uh, Champions, the African Championship, excuse me. Um, and now they're into another season of Premier League football. They haven't had a break. Now, that might come to, te come ta come to tell in terms of December, January, February time when they're, when they're playing two games a week consistently without that rest period, so they're really going to have to manage their workload, I think, the Liverpool, uh, Liverpool backroom staff to keep them effective and keep them pushing forwards for that league title. 
uh, 4001 if you want to have your say. But thanks so much indeed to all of those that have been uh, sharing their thoughts. Um, obviously, we're looking ahead to UFC 242 next weekend uh, here in Abu Dhabi. Big fight tonight, though, to talk about as well. If you love your boxing, uh, make sure you tune in to Lomachenko against Campbell a little later on. Britain's Luke Campbell says he will find a way to upset the odds against pound-for-pound pound king uh, Vasil Lomachenko on Saturday. The weigh-in in Spitalfields yesterday. I uh, got a big sellout crowd down there at the moment. Boxing just seems to be in a good place at the moment, doesn't it? It is. It's a really exciting fight tonight and, and, and see what happens. And there's some great boxers out there. And as you say, coupled with the UFC championships is a great time for all, for all fighting fans at the moment. Uh, we will, of course, uh, be looking at some of the, uh, the the comments coming through with regards to that one in just a few moments' time. Um, we have to wrap things up. We have to say farewell. Uh, Mark Archer, anything doing on the uh, Formula One qualifying at the moment? No, into Q2 now. Uh, Lewis Hamilton's car was fixed from his crash in practice. He's up and running, and he's put in the third fastest time in his Mercedes so far. But it's Ferrari dominating Leclerc and Vettel uh, in Q2. And third is Hamilton and obviously the, his teammate in, in the Mercedes, Voltari Bottas. Over to Cardiff in the rugby and it's Ireland who have jumped to a lead. Ten points to three over Wales. Uh, 20 minutes gone in the warm-up match for the Rugby World Cup. So plenty to talk about, Tom. Good on you, Archie. Thanks so much indeed for being part of the group. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks very much indeed for being with us. Always a pleasure and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Indeed. Uh, and uh, Rob, bless you. Thanks so much indeed for coming on in and giving us all your expertise. I know you've got your work cut out uh, over the forthcoming week, so I really appreciate you coming on in. Thank you very much and have a great afternoon. Everyone. Which game are you watching? Today, I think I might watch the Hammers. Look at that, eh? Look at that. Uh, and a big thanks to all the team back at house, to Saj, to Ben, whoever's been, uh, all the team back in the studio as well. Um, I love this one. Uh, so this is Eddie Hearn. Obviously, he's got his work cut out at the moment uh, with the Anthony Joshua fight down in Saudi Arabia towards the end of the year, uh, but obviously very much behind uh, the Lomachenko and um, uh, uh, fighter over in the UK at the moment. Uh, uh, so the buzzword, I think, across all sport at the moment seems to be Ben Stokes. He got offered to play uh, centre, uh, central uh, midfield or centre of defence for Newcastle after his heroics last week. Uh, and Eddie Hearn reckons that now, uh, well, he just they, 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 need to, they need to bottle his spirit because he could influence and impact anything. All week it's been intense. You know, I think uh, Lomachenko means business, so does Luke Campbell. This is it. You know, the greatest fighter in the world today is here in Britain. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for British fight fans to see this. But it's not the Lomachenko show. We don't want to see him juggle balls. We want to see Luke Campbell knock him out tomorrow night and become a pound-for-pound -pound star himself. What about uh, daring to be great? You've done that with some of your fighters before. It's a huge opportunity that you've presented Luke Campbell. Can he take it? Yeah, I believe so. You know, like I said, he's fighting the best fighter in the world. But he's here to win. He could have gone to America for this fight, could have made more money. He chose to take the fight in London, in the UK, because he believes he can win the fight. It's going to be hard, it's going to be tricky, it's going to be painful, it's going to be brutal. But these are all the things you have to overcome to be the best. Tomorrow night, Luke Campbell has a chance to really, we need a Ben Stokes-like performance. You know, we need a great British performance to cause one of the great shocks of all time. He's in it, he's live, he's in the shape of his life, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's the greatest amateur Britain's ever produced. He's ready to take this chance tomorrow night. Do not miss it. This is The Grill. On Dubai I 103.8. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.